Todd Furman, our guy in Uh-oh. Vegas, jumps money, on money, money, now. Money. And Todd, we may as well start with that Titan matchup. Money. Opened at three, out to three and a half. Uh, do you not have value now if you if you want the Titans at this point? Yeah, it's a little bit of a different dynamic here. We know how important three is in your handicapping equation as far as the likelihood the game could fall on a field goal. I know recent history as far as the NFL playoffs suggests that you just pick the winner and you're going to cover the number. The last 30 games, the team that's won the game outright has covered in 27 of those 30. But that's not, of course, a thought process that I'll ever adhere to or advocate for because the number is the ultimate equalizer. But for Titans fans that are inevitably going to look for a way to invest, rather than laying the three and a half, maybe a dabble slightly smaller on the money line if that's the angle you want to take. And I can tell you that it's been professional money that's come in on Tennessee. You will see an appetite for Cincinnati once Trey Hendrickson potentially gets upgraded and we get a better idea of exactly what this Bengals defensive line will look like. But I think of all the opponents remaining in the AFC, I'm not exactly going out on a limb here, ladies and gents. Cincinnati is the team that the Titans wanted to see. They match up extremely well, and if Mike Vrabel can't come up with a game plan to at least slow down the effectiveness of Jamar Chase in two weeks, then clearly he shouldn't be included in the Coach of the Year discussions. What do you think about the total in that game? I think it's correlated to the side you like. If you're enamored with Tennessee and you believe they'll be able to dictate pace and tempo with lean under the total, uh, I think if you're more inclined to back the Bengals, you're going over. But I can also see it being, you know, a little bit counterintuitive that Tennessee could come out with a game plan using a passing attack off of play action to set up the run. The one thing that's got to be very optimistic for Titans fans, aside from Derrick Henry, which we know is the big story, if you go back and watch the game tape for how Tennessee played against Houston in the regular season finale, that's arguably the most dynamic and explosive we've seen Julio Jones look dealing with the hamstring. If he can be the guy the Titans fans anticipated him going to be when they made the trade this offseason, it loosens up the coverage on A.J. Brown and it makes his team that much more explosive because no knock on Akina Westbrook or Anthony Ferkser, I don't think those are the guys you want to lean on if you're going to make a run to win the Lombardi. Let's go to the other side of the AFC. Buffalo at Kansas City. A lot of national people think that's the AFC championship game right there. Uh, Kansas City, where are we now? Two? Yeah, it's hovering anywhere from one and a half uh, upwards of two and a half. And I kind of joke uh, that, hey, look, the JV plays on Saturday in the AFC and the varsity game will go Sunday afternoon. (laughs) That's not to discount whoever comes out of that Titans-Bengals matchup having a legitimate shot. More so the Titans to get out of the AFC than the Bengals. When you look at Buffalo and Kansas City, we know these teams played earlier this year, a game that Buffalo dominated 38-20. Josh Allen was able to do what he wanted when he wanted in one of the more unique setups, given that we had a massive weather delay in the middle. But this is a Buffalo offense that's really found its footing in recent weeks. And while people can say, well, the Patriots were just a shell of themselves, when you go out and you put together seven touchdowns on seven drives and you don't have to punt or kick a field goal, and the only two negative plays you take are on quarterback kneel downs, that tells you that the offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, was fully in his bag of tricks. And we'll see if some of that momentum can carry forward in this spot. The one thing we've grown accustomed to for Kansas City in these playoff games, they typically don't play their best football early, and if they find themselves getting off to a slow start, this is the kind of Bills team that has enough firepower to create some of that separation. So for me, I wanted three here to back Buffalo. I would lean towards the Bills at one and a half, too, but I just don't see a whole lot of wiggle room as far as line value is concerned. Could make a slight case for going over the total, as I think both of these offenses will have some success. So from a Titan perspective, looking ahead, if they beat Cincinnati – Point spread-wise, what are they looking at hosting Buffalo or hosting Kansas City? 
It'll be a very similar number, and you know I, I think you're going to see it in that three and a half four range most likely for both of those teams. But this time of year, when you're talking about what numbers are going to be in the subsequent week, public perception will play such a role. And if uh-huh. the Titans were to go out there and beat the Bengals by four touchdowns, and you see Cincinnati, uh, excuse me, Kansas City and Buffalo struggle with one another in a game decided by a field goal, that number would come down. Where the converse is true as well. If Buffalo beats Kansas City by three touchdowns and Tennessee sneaks by the Cincinnati Bengals, you could see a bigger number uh, because the public is typically, especially this time of year, going to gravitate towards what they saw last, and recency bias plays a major role in a lot of their decision-making process. So either way, Buffalo or Kansas City, the winner of that game will the be favorite. the favorite mm-hmm. no matter what happens in that, that Tennessee Exactly. Game. Barring okay. some injury to a marquee okay. player, uh, yeah. there won't be a scenario that I can foresee where Tennessee could be a home favorite against one of those two teams. And if it's, Cincinnati, if it's Kansas City or Buffalo taking on Cincinnati at home, you'd be looking at a massive number, uh, especially with the Chiefs that I have revenge from just a few weeks ago. Todd, t- touch on the NFC action that we got going on. I-, I heard you talk about the JV and the varsity game. Uh, let- let's, t- let's, t- let's touch on the NFC matchups. Yeah, and I think both these NFC matchups are going to be fascinating for a variety of reasons. So we can start with the Saturday night game in frozen Lambeau Field, mm-hmm. where we know how good Aaron Rodgers is playing in that kind of weather. When you dig into some of the numbers, guys, they're rather staggering. I mean, Aaron Rodgers in his career at home in freezing temperatures, 24-6 and six straight up, 29-1 and one against the spread, but more impressively, 67 touchdown passes to only 10 interceptions. And Green Bay, since Matt LaFleur has taken over, 24-3 and three straight up at home, 19-8 and eight against the spread, and they're outscoring their opponents by 10 points per game. The big storyline here is about Jimmy Garoppolo's strained shoulder. I know the reports from Ian Rapport say it's worse than the 49ers are letting on, and that's part of the reason you've seen this price. It opened as low as 4.5 at FanDuel, leak out to 6. If reports aren't more promising, this number is going to continue to climb. So for folks that like Green Bay, my suggestion is to bet them early. If you like the 49ers, wait this out, because I can't see there being a lot of 49er money coming until we have a better idea of what Jimmy can do. The problem being for Jimmy Garoppolo and company, he's never started an NFL game where the, game t- where the kickoff temperature was below 40, so this will be <laughs> uncharted territory, and it'll be imperative that they can establish Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel on the ground, that you have a healthy Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. Uh, but in my opinion, this 49ers team, I said coming in, was one of the more dangerous outs. Uh, I really believe that second half from the Rams jump-started what could be a Cinderella-type run, uh, maybe even getting them as far as Los Angeles. Under 40, high of 22 uh, yeah. coming up, and, and obviously that's a night game, as you said, low of three, 52% chance of light snow, winds northwest 10 to 15 in that matchup, and then uh, Slay, the the other matchup, Rams yeah, and Rams Tampa Yeah, Rams and rematch, yep. uh, but different on different ground this time. Uh, No doubt about it, Slay, and I think if you're trying to wait your decision on this particular matchup, given what we saw way back in week three, uh, folks are doing themselves a huge handicapping disservice. Uh, You look at this Rams team, and Matthew Stafford was good and ultra-efficient last week in their win against the Cardinals. They didn't ask him to do a whole lot, only had to throw the ball 17 times. It's actually the fewest passing attempts that Stafford has had in an NFL game that he started and finished where his team went on to win. So it speaks to how well the Rams played defensively. Arizona wasn't able to convert a third down. Tom Brady, a heck of a lot different beast than going up against Kyler Murray in your own building. But the one thing for this Rams offense is so much of their success is predicated on play action and being able to establish the run. The Bucs are great in that department, but the Bucs are going to have to find a way to get natural pressure because Stafford has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league in terms of facing the blitz. He struggled, though, when he's pressured. So we'll see what the Bucs can scheme up from Shaq Barrett, Levante David and company on that defensive side. 
Meanwhile, for the Rams defensively, it's going to be interesting because Jalen Ramsey should match up most likely with Mike Evans. You figure those two cancel one another out. And how do the Rams go about handling some of their key absences as far as their secondary is concerned? Because if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think you use a lot of three tight end sets. You try and use heavy packages, and you force linebackers and safety to cover the likes of O.J. Howard, Cameron Brayton, Rob Gronkowski, especially if Leonard Fournette isn't able to go uh, and provide that balanced attack, something that was lacking, relatively speaking, last week against the Eagles. Todd, real quick, let me circle back around. Honk, um, did you did you want to ask if the Titans, if the Titans and, you know, the Bengals get to playing and um, things start to go haywire for the Bengals and they start to play this song right here? You can't jump that out there! You can't jump that! One of my eight! Put eight on the line! Let's go, Titans! Put the money in the house, baby! Let's go, Todd! Put that on your books! <laughs> so, so, Slade's idea, idea if you play that song in the fourth quarter it's worth like three three hey, and a half I'm telling you so man that changed the game you, right know, what, you know what Brent maybe Slade can talk to some of those folks that you guys know so well with the Titans and, and while the Steelers have gravitated towards using Renegade when it gets between that third and fourth quarter and to use that to rally the crowd maybe Slade will have the war cry for Titans fans going forward I'm and that it. can kind of be to Tennessee Titans football what Gloria was to the St. Louis Blues and probably Stanley Cup run a few years ago. There it is. Right. There so, it is. so if Slay performs under the Jumbotron, Titans by a hundred. No, you know, get, get, get out there, Slay. I can see you in a Kurt Warner puffy coat style and the bright Ooh. silver, you know, waving your hands around like you just don't care, trying to rile up all those Titans fans hungry for an AFC championship oh, in their own building. Hey, man, I'm talking about, man, they can toss me into Cumberland after the game. I ain't tripping. <laughs> it's on, baby. <laughs> Which, you know it... what? Honestly, Brett, I would pay to see that. So if that's yes. going to happen, please make sure somebody gets good video footage to see Slay swimming around in a freezing river in the wake of a Titans victory. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that would not last long in the Cumberland, that's for sure. Uh, by the way, uh, 3HL crew coming at you for that JV uh, comment about Saturday's game. Oh, I figure. Come on. You know, even if I'm going to say things that are complimentary about the Titans, and I will be rooting for them this weekend, I'm going to do some things that are going to find an ability to endear myself to that fan base and get them pissed off one way or another. They'd be disappointed if I didn't live up to the reputation that's preceded me over the previous <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. Check out the Bed the Board podcast. You need to subscribe. It's awesome. Uh, also, at Todd Furman on Twitter. Uh, there you go, Todd. Thanks. You got it. It was a pleasure. And Brent, hey, speaking of which, hopefully you were able to cash not only that first half wonder, I know you were exploring in Rams-Cardinals, but about as rocking chair a game as we can get with that Arizona Cardinals team total under on Monday. So we yeah. like bets that are easy to cash without much of a sweat. I am a bet the board podcast fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I roll with it too, babe. I roll with it too. Todd. All right. Uh, it, it, Todd Furman and Payton inside. Thank right, you. Appreciate it. There he is, Todd Furman.